We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C. Almost half of D.C.'s traffic fatalities come from impaired driving. These deaths are 100% preventable. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. Never drive impaired. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drugged drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. John Van Brappen drops back, throws the marching pass upfield. Reggie Townfields gathers it in on the dead run and races all the way to score for Los Angeles. A 72-yard touchdown play. First down inside his own five from his own end zone. Sacked in a safety on Rudolph. Aaron Donald and Clay Matthews got to him. Inspired by the presence of Captain Jack Youngblood, playing in pain with his broken leg. A savage Ram defense. They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 seconds. a whole burst to it. 20. Side steps to tackle. Runs left. 25 still on his feet. 10. 46 yard goal by number 39. Running back. Number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker, a high school quarterback, is going to throw. The fake is on it. He's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones made the tackle, and the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo, and I am. All by myself for the, for the special weekend edition of the show on Monday night. I'll be off because the Budding Heads guys will be here doing the post game between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Los Angeles Rams. But we're here to preview that game. We're here to talk about what we think will happen. We're going to get 
Tampa Bay Trev. That's right, Trevor Sikama on the line here from the Draft Network. He's going to talk about the Bucks, where they are this season, where they've been. And then Nesson's, oh boy, Matt Chatham, former Ram, former Patriot, knows Tom Brady very well. He'll be on the show as well to break down Tom Brady's adaption to Tampa Bay and what he brings to the table now. Before we get there, I want to ask you to over at Apple Music. Please leave a five-star review. And if you don't, if you can't, don't want to, but you may be tempted to down the line, send us an email at RamsTalk1945. Let us know what you think of the show, how we can make it better, the things you like, the things you don't like. We're always ready and willing to listen to feedback. We want to be the best in the business, and the only way to become the best in the business is to hear from you. So let's make that happen, please. Also, we're looking for sponsors, as usual. If you're interested in working with us, Reach out to us as well at ransom1945 at gmail.com. Okay, I'm going to hop right into it. We don't have time to spare. We want to get Charge Second on the line. Here we go. All right, folks, we're here with Trevor Sycamore, one of our favorites. Really enjoy having him on the show. We've, he's, been on, he's been on Cheese Butting Heads. He's been on our show here. We bring him on on draft time. One of our favorites. Trevor, how you doing, man? I am doing great. It is always good to be with you, talk a little bit of football. And so I appreciate you having me on. Whatever show it is, I always appreciate you having me on. <laughs> well, I meaning you are the guy over at Draft Network. And that's been clear. Well, you the are, guy. All right, the okay, guy. I, we we I follow like you. And now you're hosting Locked on NFL Draft. So, I mean, like yes. you've become like this guru. <laughs> I don't know about all that, but my ego really appreciates the boost well, there. We've got to boost the ego a little bit. Hey, there's enough in the world tearing down egos. You've got to boost a little bit. Wow, you know yeah. what? That's totally true. What a great... You know what? In that case, I will accept the praise. And any more <laughs> that you want to uh, lob on over here for the rest of the show. Well, you know, we got plenty. But the big thing for us over here at Rams Talk Radio is Rams Bucks on Sunday, uh, sorry, Monday night now. And the last time these two teams played, it was a different story. The Rams were favored. And the Bucks came out there and just had a happy time on that Rams defense this year. The Bucks are a better team with a Hall of Fame quarterback and all of a sudden the Rams and Bucks on prime time suddenly is relevant yeah. again. Yeah. Gotta love it. Some great games over the years between these two teams. So what's your overall evaluation thus far on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? No, I mean it's it's kind of been an up and down roller coaster this year and you figured that it it would be, right? Because anytime you drastically change the front man or the head man, the quarterback of your team, you know, things are going to be a little bit different. And especially when you're going as two sides of the spectrum as it was from Jameis Winston to Tom Brady. And so you knew that things would be a little bit different. You had uh, the faith in the experience of Tom Brady to kind of come in and settle things down, but it has been up and down, you know, starting out right out of the gate, they kind of fall flat against the New Orleans Saints. There was a lot of hype around this team, not just Brady, but the additions of some great draft picks that they had. Tristan Wirfs, Anton Winfield Jr., you know, also guys like Leonard Fournette, LaShawn McCoy, um, Rob Gronkowski, you know, they, they added a lot of big names, and so there was a lot of offseason hype for them. They come out the gate a little slow, uh, lose one to the New Orleans Saints there, but then they really started to get on a roll, and there have been at times this season where the Bucks have just looked like a well-oiled machine on both sides of the ball. You know, we were wondering what the offense was going to be like, but man, Todd Bowles has really taken that younger defense, especially that younger secondary, really molded them into one of the better units in the NFL. They're very aggressive. Uh, they're playing to a lot of their strengths. And so you've seen that in certain weeks, but it hasn't been this, uh, I, I guess I'll say like total picture for the whole season. You've had it in spurts. One week, they'll look super dominant. The next, it'll, it'll look a little bit flat, like in the Chicago game and then the second meeting between the, uh, the, the Bucks and the Saints. And so 
it's been hot and cold, but it, it is a team where when they get going, they really are able to hold themselves against some of the best teams in the NFL. And I think that we're going to get a great look at it, especially against a Rams team that everybody always talks about the offense. You know, the, the McVay narrative is always there. Him having the quarterbacks and the offensive weapons and things to be creative on the offensive side of the ball. But man, that defense is coming alive. And honestly, their defense might be the hottest defense in the NFL right now. And so it's going to be a really fun game. I think that it's going to be a great matchup as long as the Bucks show up because they historically don't love primetime games. I don't know what it is. It's like the sun goes down and they forget how to play football. And so I hope that's not the case, not just for um, that Bucks team, but also for the national audience that I think could have a real treat if these two teams come out firing on all cylinders. Well, then on the flip side of my concern is the Rams not coming out and firing on cylinders because they just they've been inconsistent themselves. They've come out and had some great games. They've come out and dropped eggs, laid them nice and big. I mean, so uh, the Miami game, we, we now find out Miami's pretty stinking good, but they outgained Miami by like 400 yards in that game. The defense is phenomenal. The offense should be phenomenal. And sometimes they limit themselves though. So it's, a very interesting matchup, especially since last year's game kind of began the downfall of good old Phillips, Wade Phillips out there in Ramsland. That's the game that many of us use as, as the beginning point to where Wade was pushed out for Staley here. And Chris Staley's now been relishing the opportunity to play Tom, to scheme against Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. I just think this is a fascinating match. I think this is an underrated matchup. No, absolutely. I, I agree with you. And, Tom Brady gets everybody's best, right? And I think that he really loves that at this point in his career. He's been around the block. He's won a lot of Super Bowls. He's the name that's probably been said the most through commentators, analysts, coordinators, other players, everything. It's, it's it, Tom Brady has shaped the NFL, and he's been the big storyline over the last two decades. And so now, I think when you get some defensive coordinators that have never had the chance to scheme against him before, this is a, it is a great shot. And... It's like when you're in college basketball or college football, actually, I mean, any team or any sport in college, when you're the number one team in the country, every team is going to give you their best shot. doesn't matter if it's a conference game or a a playoff game or just a random game on a Tuesday night. You are going to get somebody's best when you have the target on your back. And I think that Brady's name alone really makes people want to play their best against him. And I think that Cher Brandon Staley is as really stepped up as defensive coordinator, and I thought he think he's done a great job with that unit, uh, finding some strengths from even some names that you didn't think would be out there. And a lot of those guys on that defensive side of the ball are coming alive. Leonard Floyd is, of course, one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Williams is, leads the NFL in interceptions, I believe, right? Or he's, he's right up there with it. And so he's been able to motivate these guys throughout the season. And now it doesn't take a lot of motivation to get guys to play up against one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest of all time. And so I definitely think that his team, Brandon, Brandon Staley's team is going to take the identity and the attitude of him going into this one against Tom Brady. So I, I really do think that they're going to be up. It's, it's really weird bringing up Brandon Staley because Brandon Staley, when the Rams hired him, he, he was kind of like seen as, oh, well, we see his background. The reputation's kind of, okay, he's a nice coach, uh, but here he is doing a phenomenal job with a defense, which in my view is actually less talented than it was last year. Less talented. They like they let guys go, but they brought in pieces and 
the Rams over the last several years have been great at developing talent in the mid to latter part of the draft. So when you see this matchup on Monday night, and you see how this team has changed from last year, now when you see how the Bucks' offense has changed, how do they match up to you? Yeah, so I think it's going to be fast and it's going to be aggressive on both sides of the ball. But for the Bucks' offense, I'll just kind of speak to that side of things because y'all know the Rams more, so I'll bring a little bit more of a Bucks angle into it. I think they started to get more into their groove this past weekend. And I know that the opponent wasn't as tough. You know, they're going up against a very young Carolina Panthers team last weekend. They looked good, but I thought that they prioritized things very well. They stuck with Ronald Jones as their running back, despite him fumbling early on. I thought that they were going to have him come out and give the ball to Leonard Fournette, which I feel like are just empty carries at this point because Fournette's clearly still just the guy that he was when he was struggling in Jacksonville. He just doesn't have a lot of great running back vision. Uh, he's not very creative of a guy. He's just big, strong, and fast, and that'll only get you so far, unfortunately, in the NFL. And so them not taking Ronald Jones out, I thought, was a great, uh, a great move by Arians because he does give you the highest ceiling running back. So I, I think that he's going to maintain that starting running back, that RB1 form for the Bucks. But then in the passing game, most importantly here, they divided their passes up in, I think, really the perfect way. They ran a lot of their offense through Mike Evans. They got him targets early and often, which has been something that they've really gotten away from and kind of overthought throughout the season. Chris Godwin then became their go-to guy on third downs uh, in the red zone. When they really needed a catch, they went to Chris Godwin. That's exactly what you should do with him. And so Mike Evans ended up having more targets on the day, but Chris Godwin got more yards and had a higher catch percentage. And that's just, that's when the formula is, I think, working at his best. Evans was also a big red zone target for them, which I think they should continue to do. And then I thought that they used Antonio Brown really well. Uh, He's been, of course, the talk of the town over the last couple of weeks after they've signed him. How are they going to use him? What's he going to look like? And, you know, he's he's not, I'm not going to say that he's the Antonio Brown of old like he was when he had what was maybe the greatest six-year wide receiver run of all time. But, man, he looks good. You know, he looks fast. He looks in shape. And I think that they were using him as a deep threat kind of X-factor player. They were trying to use him to attack wherever the... Carolina Panthers were weakest, and I think that that's what's going to be the case, and that should be the case throughout the rest of the year. You know, if it's hitting deep, if it's going over the middle, if it's playing him in the slot, if it's playing him on the outside, wherever it is, they can use this guy as a true X-factor weapon on offense, and I thought you got a good glimpse of that against Carolina, and they really didn't have an answer. Less action from the tight ends last week than there was throughout the season, but I think that that should still be the case. They have a good talent. They have a good tight end room, but wide receivers are way better, so... You're hoping with their offensive line getting a little bit more healthy. Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator, is now kind of staying in his, I don't want to say staying in his lane, because that, that makes it seem like he's he's not being creative and he's not thinking. But like he's getting his roots down. That's a better way to say it. He's getting now his roots uh, into these building block foundations of what to do with all of these offensive weapons in Tampa Bay. So we'll flip it around. Rams offense versus the Tampa Bay defense right now. How are you viewing that? matchup how are you seeing these two sides face off so tampa two three weeks ago you know when they were playing the new york giants and they were playing the new orleans saints for whatever reason they just got away from their identity like they got them away from what was the strategy that made them one of the most talked about defenses in the nfl and that was bringing pressure early and often on the early downs not just in longer passing down situations they were bringing the pressure they were dialing it up and they were playing tight press man coverage, 
in the secondary. They were playing aggressive. They were letting their safeties hunt in deep zones, even in some robber roles with um, with Antoine Winfield Jr. But they were getting creative with their pressure. They were confusing offensive lines. And then against the Giants and the Saints, they really didn't do a lot of that. They played back. They played zone. They rushed four. And I think that you really saw them lose control of some games that they should have had a lot more control in in both of those matchups. They got back to their basics, got back to their identity a little bit against the Carolina Panthers. And I've got to think that's what's going to be the case against the Rams because the big narrative with Jared Goff is, right, I mean, you get him off platform, you pressure him, he'll crumble. Or at least he won't play as well as uh, as we've seen him be able to play over the last couple of years. And so I think that that's what's got to be the strategy. You know, they've got three corners that they do like uh, in Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy Bunting, and Jamel Dean. I would argue that the love Jamel Dean has gotten over the last year or so, uh, specifically from PFF, which I love. I love the PFF guys. I really do. But they've graded him as like one of the highest graded corners over the last calendar year. And it's, he's just not that. Like, I, I think he has been much more of an opportunist than a shutdown corner that it feels like the grades that he has had. And so, you know, you've noticed before that if you'll run two guys into, into Dean's zone, he'll get really confused on where exactly he should be. If you're doing double moves, Dean's going to bite on one of them. He's just a little bit too aggressive. He's he's had a couple of interceptions already in his career, and he's looking for more, and uh, it's a little bit to his detriment right now. And so I think that even though the Bucks like their corners and they've got to be able to play them in man coverage, there are some weaknesses there. And as we're seeing, the Rams have a lot of different op- or, uh, options. You know, they've got Cup, they have Woods, but they ha- also have... Uh, Josh Reynolds, a guy who I really loved coming out of the draft, who now seems to be shining, coming into his own as a contested catch kind of a player. Of course, Higby's a weapon in the passing game as well. And so they've got a lot of different options. And so anytime you're facing a team with that many weapons that they could go to at any time, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to ask the Bucks to play man coverage as much as they might want to this game. But that's their identity. And I think that they need to find a way to make that happen as much as they possibly can, because that's going to be the recipe, I think, uh, to, to really best or control the Rams offense the way they need to is if they can continue to get pressure on the pocket early and often. So the Rams do have a couple things going on with them though. They lose Whitworth, our big, our big left yeah. tackle. He's a, he's a yeah. huge loss to this team. Joe Nopa was drafted to potentially be the replacement for him years ago. Played a few snaps his rookie year in mop-up duty. Then they move him to guard without playing at all in the preseason. He gets hurt then, and now here he is again. How do you see that Rams offensive line holding up against the Bucs? Because the Bucs gave him problems last time. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be the same script. Or it should be, right? I mean, they have that same box. They have Levante David and Devin White in the middle. They have Dominic and Sue and uh, Shaq Barrett and... JPP along the uh, defensive line. The only guy that they don't have is Vita Vea. And Vita is a big loss for them, just like Whitworth is a big loss for the Rams. And even though they don't go head up against each other, since Vita is more of a nose tackle and Whitworth is, of course, an offensive tackle, those two presences, that's a word, uh, are going to be felt not being on the field against each other. And so, honestly, though, when I, when I look at this matchup, it should be an advantage for Tampa Bay. Tampa should be able to best what the Rams are going to throw out there offensive line-wise. And uh, you've got to have faith that Shaq Barrett had a a little bit of a takeover game last year when these two faced off. And so I'm not exactly saying that he's going to have a Superman performance again, but they've shown where they can beat him. And I think that adjustments are, of course, going to happen. They're going to study a lot of the tape that happened last year because it is uh, a similar unit. But 
I do think that this should be an area where the Bucks get a green check mark next to it is their defensive line versus the Rams offensive line. So where do the Rams have the advantage overall? The Rams would have the advantage overall in I just think how hot their defense is playing. You know, if if they can really if 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 Staley can I think conjure up some stuff that maybe he he's been having in the tank, if he's really been focusing on some of the things that Tom Brady has been doing well and he can confuse them and as well as the offensive line with, with some of what they're doing. They get a chance, and the Bucks have shown that for as high of a ceiling as they have on offense, they're not unstoppable. You know, you can really get in their heads and, and men make this difficult on them. I think that if you're playing Jalen Ramsey straight up against Mike Evans, that's going to be a really fun matchup because then if the Bucks are going to go to Evans early and often, I think that Ramsey's going to be there to make some plays on the balls. And if you don't throw to Evans because Ramsey is right there, we have seen that when the Bucks offense can't run through Evans, they get a little confused. They just don't exactly have that flow that they love. And, you know, the offensive line is also, it's, it's been good, but Ali Marpet being in and out of the lineup was tough for them to adjust to, even though Ryan Jensen played well moving over to left guard. And so the Ali Marpet's going to be back for this one. But Donovan Smith continues to be something that's, that's a liability for them at left tackle. I think that Staley absolutely knows that. He's going to attack that area with some of his best pass rushers. And so... There are ways where that defense can really get in the face of Brady and slow them down, and I think that locking down Evans with Jalen Ramsey is kind of where you start. If you could take away Evans, that's been the formula to really just get the Bucks' offense off their groove, and anytime you can do that, you can see them get in their own heads, and if the defense isn't having a tip-top day when it comes to bringing pressure, that's where the Rams, I think, could really capitalize. Now, the Rams have their flaws when it comes to their offense. Their reputation, it seems like out the league is they're explosive, this, this, and this. What I see a team with a lot of players who have good skill sets, but they are not living up to their potential offensively. That's been my view this year. Some of it can be blamed on quarterback play. Some of it can be blamed on, in my view, a lack of a serious dominating number one receiver. Some of it could be tendencies with the, with the play calling. How do you view the Rams offense entering this week? I mean, there is definitely something to, you You have to be careful with having a lot of different options that you go to, because I do believe that that football, when it comes down to it, you know, when, when you think about the, the days when, when you played backyard football or when you play any sport, you know, like when, when you say next score wins or when you know that like next basket wins or goal wins or something like that, what are you doing? You're going to your go-to guy, you know, like you're going to the person that you trust the most. and. I think the, the Rams do have a lot of players that they trust, a lot of players that they like, but sometimes it's not as smooth when you don't have that number one option there. And so I don't, I, I don't know. I, I definitely hear what you're saying, and I hear how that could be a fallback a little bit. But instead, when I look at this Rams offense, I just look at a lot of guys that can get it done for you. You know, I'm, I'm not as much on that the, the fence as, as that being able to hurt you. And Looking at running backs, so, you know, Daryl Henderson's a guy who I like coming out of college a lot. Cam Akers is a player who I thought was being held back by his offensive line and I guess overall offense just at Florida State. And as for the wide receivers, I mean, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, Josh Reynolds, Tyler Habe, a tight end. I mean, these are a ton of options that can get it done for you in a lot of different ways. And so even if they don't have that star-studded number one guy or that Todd Gurley in the background that they knew or that in the backfield that they knew they could lean on to, to salt the game away. 
from an outsider's perspective, I feel like that's not really a problem with McVeigh being the orchestrator of it. I, I've got faith that he puts the guys in the right position. And so you'd probably be able to speak a little bit more to that, whether or not that's that's a big hindrance for them not having that dominant number one guy that they continually go to. But from an outsider's perspective, I just feel like it makes you really tough to plan for with all those different pieces. I think it depends on how the play calling goes, really. The Rams, in my view, have struggled going deep for the last year and a half. And having somebody who can stretch the field for you consistently, you know, we know will hold defenses more accountable, will make them plan for you more. I think the way some of the play calling goes, some of the decisions that are made, and mind you, I still think Sean McVay is a brilliant coach. I think he is still young, makes mistakes like everybody else does. And every coach out there gets, gets their tunnel vision. And I think when he gets his tunnel vision, he tends to get real pass happy, neglects the run, and he makes himself one-dimensional. Against a team like Tampa Bay that can get to the quarterback, that freaks me out a little bit. That concerns me when the Rams have a pretty difficult schedule coming up ahead. And that's what my, my point of view. My point of view is not that the Rams aren't good offensively or can't make things happen. I think some of the limitations come from, you know, self with the wounds. And not having that number one guy on the outside will affect any NFL team. So, I mean, it just really comes down to will the Rams execute their potential offensively? And I honestly have not seen that much this year. They have the players to do it. And sometimes they put numbers like they will. But you know what? They, they don't always perform up to where we think they should be. But that's just from what, what I'm seeing there. I still think they're, they're ahead of where I thought they'd be. I thought they would not be a playoff contender this year. I thought they'd be a 9-17 that is right on the outside. They're better than that. And that's what makes this game so interesting to me because I think it's really critical for the Rams, especially because their schedule is that much harder. If they can pull this out in Tampa Bay, then they're pretty much, they'll be fine. They're going to make the playoffs. If they lose in Tampa Bay, their rest of their road is, is a lot harder. And that's where this game to me is a must win. Yeah, I think that the uh, the schedule or the expanded playoffs uh, helps them out this year because when we look at the NFC West, I mean, just look at the game that happened on Thursday night. I mean, this is this is tight between some really good teams, and 49ers aren't having a great season for a lot of different reasons. But I the the playoff picture in the NFC is is going to be painted by the NFC West. You know, it's going. I really do think that they're going to have three teams that make it. Uh, I think the Rams are going to be one of them. But I was with you. I thought the Rams were going to take a little bit of a step back. I thought they were going to be Somewhere around seven and nine ish, where I would have gone to either six and ten or eight and eight. I didn't think nine and seven, but certainly they are ex- exceeding my expectations. And I think great coaching, especially on the mm-hmm. defensive side, uh, has a lot to do with that. And so you look at them; I think they're very diverse. They're tough to plan for, but yeah, you've just got to make sure that that the plans that you have and the diverse offense, the ball is going to the right guy. Do not have that dominant number one. And so I'm with you. If they beat Tampa Bay, they're in it. They're in a pretty good spot, even though their division race is tight. They're still, I think, going to make the playoffs. It just depends what seeding they would be. And so, yeah, it's, no, it's definitely a big game for them, no doubt. And how are you feeling about Tampa? I mean, you have been watching this team go up and down a couple of times this year. They, I, I got to admit, this, the Saints game caught me off guard. It really did catch yeah. me off guard. I don't even know right. how to even frame that. I thought that game would be a good one. I didn't know who'd win that. But, you know, Tom Brady is Tom Brady. And, and, he's, and the Bucks have put a lot of talent around him out there. And that was not – that was – I'll, I'll let you try to explain that one away, but it's it what was, is going? It was, yeah, I was just gonna say it was it was bad coaching in literally every sense that there could be. 
Uh, the defensive game plan was absolutely awful. They looked at Drew Brees and his noodle arm, and uh, they, they said, okay, you know what? We're going to give him everything underneath, and Brees went, okay. And so that's just exactly what they did. They didn't play tight man coverage. They played off zone. They never pressured Breeze. They only rushed four. They did the same, a lot of the same things with Daniel Jones the week before. And then on offense, I mean, the, the, the offensive game plan just looked completely lost. There, there was no groove in it. And they were down 28 nothing within their first 14 plays on offense. And it's like the game was over. The game was completely over at that point. And it was almost as if they got, they got, they had a game plan that was so bad that they got punched in the mouth that fast to where they, they couldn't even recover. There were no adjustments to be made. The game was already over. It was truly one of the, Worst overall coaching performances that I've seen in a long, long time, not just in Tampa Bay, but in the NFL. It was absolutely terrible. But moving forward, I don't think that's going to be a norm. I I think that they're going to have better game plans than what we saw against the New Orleans Saints. But a schedule that looked somewhat easy down the stretch now isn't looking as easy. They play the Rams this week, and then they play... The Kansas City Chiefs next week, those were always going to be two tough games. Those weren't the easy ones. But then they have a late-season bye week. They have a bye week in Week 13. Mm-hmm. Last four games they play are versus Minnesota, um, at Atlanta, against Detroit, and then at Atlanta again. And early on this season, you could have looked at all of those teams, and they were top-10 draft pick teams. Like, they were bad, bad. But Minnesota, they've won three in a row now. They're no pushover at this point, even though they're not the team that a lot many of us thought they would be. They're no longer a big pushover. Atlanta can score a lot of points, and anytime you can do that, it's a formula to beat anybody. Detroit, shoot, they're only a game and a half. As weird as it is for Detroit, they're only a game and a half out for a playoff spot. And it, sitting there at uh, in week 16, I don't know, it could be spicy. And then, of course, you're playing Atlanta at the end of the year. And so these last six games for Tampa Bay are important. And I think that with their record being 7-3, and three, they're ahead of the eight ball here to drop a couple of them, and, and that could still be forgiving. But... It's a tight race in the NFC right now, and if you drop a if you drop one more game than you're supposed to, or God forbid, two more games than you're supposed to, you play yourself out of a playoff spot. And I still think the Buccaneers do make the playoffs. I think that they're going to be in with the expanded wild card, but they've got to play better. And it's I'm not so sure it's going to be the 100% dominant team that we have seen at points in this year. It's going to continue to be hot and cold. I said at the beginning of the year, I think the Bucks make the playoffs. I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender. I don't think that they have that mental makeup yet to make a big Super Bowl run. So even when they were at their best, uh, I, I really still was reluctant to say that they were a Super Bowl team. I honestly think that their biggest Super Bowl run comes next year. They're going to fill a couple of different spots on their roster. I still think Brady is going to be the quarterback. I still think the entire coaching staff is probably going to be there. So I, I always said that 2021 was the big Super Bowl run for the Buccaneers this year. I think it'll be a little bit hot and cold down the stretch, and I think they make the playoffs, but I, I just don't think it's going to look as good as other people were saying. So that brings me something just you're talking about brings me to two things. Yeah, I really want to know what who you think is going to win on Monday night, but two, Bruce Arians. We know Bruce Arians very well. We don't like Bruce Arians out here in LA land. Okay, <laughs> he <laughs> he had uh, he was uh, oftentimes like, well, he's you know you know how he is. So. How has Bruce Arians affected this franchise? And do you believe he is the guy to take Tampa back to the promised land? I mean, he's he's the best chance they've had in a long time. You know, when you look at their coaches since John Gruden, uh, who won them a Super Bowl in the early 2000s, it was Raheem Morris, who was made the head coach of the team well before he was ready. And I felt so bad for Raheem because 
he was a scapegoat for a lot of the, the the bad decisions that the owners were making and and they decided to make Raheem a head coach and I felt bad for him because I knew that it was going to be something that was on his record forever and uh it was and and I'm really glad that he's actually getting an interim shot to just at least have the headset on again with Atlanta here 10 years later in a spot that he is much more ready for and so Raheem Morris was not ready to be a head coach. Greg Schiano, disaster of a hire um, coming from college, tried to run a college football system in the NFL, and it just didn't work. Lovey Smith, who was about as bland as you could get, and they, I think that they hired him because they wanted a safe fan hire after the Schiano era, but he was never going to get them anywhere. And then they hired Dirk Cutter, who had been an uh, offensive mind in the NFL for a long time, but... Uh, was never a head coach, never a head coach candidate, and there was a reason for it. And I think the Bucks figured that out. He just was not head coach material. And so Arians, honestly, it, it's the best head coach. It's the best man for the job that they have had since Gruden. And so I, I think that he has the potential to get them to the promised land. Um, I think this coaching staff's got to get out of their way at, at times. But coaching in the NFL is hard. I don't want to make it mm-hmm. sound like it's easy. And so uh, I, I'll definitely say that. He's in that realm. I think that he does give this team the potential to win a Super Bowl. And anytime that's the case, you have the right guy for the job. There are so few coaches out there who you could even say that about that have the potential to win a Super Bowl for you. That if you have a guy who is even in the conversation, I think you have the right man for the job. And so I think that about Arians. And then uh, when it comes to this Monday night, (sighs) I will, uh, I'll say the Rams win. I, th- I, I think the Rams win this one. Uh, I, I think that it has the makings to be a really good game. Just call, just color me skeptical uh, on the Bucks after getting burned a couple of weeks ago with the New Orleans Saints. I thought that that was going to be their big statement game of of this season is theirs and they're making the playoffs. And maybe I'm picking the Rams just because I, I'd, I'd like to be proven wrong. But I will say that again with Staley looking to give Brady his best shot as defense coordinator and with McVay really amping things up for a Monday night football game, gets a little bit of extra time and can study what Todd Bowles has doing, been doing on defense. I think it's going to be a great game. It's got the makings of a good one, but I'll say that Los Angeles just barely wins this one. I'm excited for it. And I'll just close out that. I'm excited for it because I believe that the Rams have, they've shown up big sometimes and they've shown up small sometimes. I'm still trying to figure out how good this Rams team is. And sure. I get the sense they're trying to figure out how good this Tampa Bay team is. So this is two teams trying to really show who they are. And that, to me, is what makes this game interesting. Plus, the Rams have a thing for wanting to get a little bit of vengeance on Tom Brady. Yeah. And just want yeah. to point that out. You know. So, all right, man. Tell people where they can find you because you've been great with your time with us. And they need to go check out your work. I really appreciate that. Uh, like I said, I, I love love talking ball with you. Anytime you have me on, I'm, I'm all for it. But everything I'm writing over at the Draft Network. Dot com that includes buck stuff and plenty of other stuff i'm covering the league as a whole now as their senior nfl reporter and then uh if you're into the whole podcast thing which i think that people listening to this would be since it is a podcast uh locked on nfl draft i'm doing that five days a week over with benjamin Solak as well so yeah really appreciate having me five, on Derek. five days of nfl draft a week during five days. a covid pandemic listen i i i'll just chalk it up to ben and i love to hear ourselves talk that's the only way i think <laughs> that think we can get by well, I gotta go check it out, and I just so I can go see what's going on with five days of draft talk a week in <laughs> November. I gotta see what this is about. All right, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it, and well, I can't wait for that for Monday night. I don't want to see Sunday. Monday night. Me too. Yeah, All right. me too. Take it easy. Hey Trey, this will be out tonight. Got okay, one great. more pop in there, and then we'll be golden. Thanks so cool. much, man. Sounds- 
Yeah, of course. Just uh, when you send it out, just tag me in it, and I'll help you promo it. Outstanding. Thank you so much. Bye, brother. Talk soon. Okay, take care. I gotta tell you, I have I I love talking with Trevor. He's natural on the mic, and he always brings good stuff. Make sure you check out his draft stuff. I'm telling you, he is all on the ball with it. He's up there with some of the great experts of the game when it comes to breaking down the draft. And now he's doing it five days a week on Locked On NFL Draft, so check it out. Okay, so we first talked to Matt Chatham over at Neston a couple years ago, right before the Super Bowl. And it was right before the Super Bowl that we got reminded as to why Tom Brady, even when he is off his game, will still find a way to beat you. Rams win that game. Sorry, lose that game. I wish they would win that game. Rams lose that game 13-3 behind a death-by-paper-cuts approach with uh, Tom Brady just piece-by-piece getting just enough done behind a a very, very good that night in New England defense. We've talked about it a couple of times. And it's pretty obvious he knows Tom Brady. He has... Covered him for a long time. He's a former Ram who knows a little bit of the franchise and has a good grasp on who Tom Brady was as a quarterback. So that's why he's coming on today. We're going to talk with him a little bit. Here we go. Here's Matt Chatham. All right, folks, we're with Matt Chatham. He's been on the show before. He has been with Nesson, ESPN, you name it. And he's pretty much been on the board for Patriots football forever. But the real reason to bring him on because he knows Tom Brady's game inside and out. Also, of course, makes us all old that he played with him. And he's also a former Ram. I mean, I feel old when I realized that how long ago that was. Oh, my gosh. But you are in the thick of the game. Matt, how you doing, man? Not too bad. Hanging in there. It's a busy time of year, obviously. In more ways than one. Probably more than ever before with COVID, <laughs> pandemics, people getting shut down, weird elections going on, and the Patriots being where they are, and Tom Brady being where he is in Tampa Bay. I'm still getting used to that. Are you? Are you used to it yet? Yeah. You know what? I think the weird thing for, for a player like myself, any of the former guys, is that you kind of get used to that. There's a, there's sort of a shock element that lasts a week or two, but you know, I, I played alongside by law in Jets gear, and that was always weird for a week. And it was like, okay, this is just how it is. <laughs> you know, I think. And then after I was a retired player, Sean Ellis, who was my teammate down in New York, and Chris Baker at tight end, a lot of those guys came up and were Patriots. And looking over, Sean Ellis is a former first round pick in the Jets, and he's a uh, you know starting defensive end up for the Pats. It just looked weird, but to be honest, you just kind of get used to this with all guys. It's always sort of an end-of-career switch that a lot of guys do. I just remember the first time I got, you know, all my sweats, my green, sort of pickle green sweats, top and bottom, and I put them on and wear them around the facility that first day. I was like, man, this is weird. Like, I've never worn this much green in my life, but you just kind of get used to it, I guess. And now we're watching Tom Brady and Pewter. Pewter. Right. Oh, my gosh. The, we've talked in the past, you know, prior to the Super Bowl, and improving the Patriots, the one of the things you, you really kind of emphasized was his professionalism, how just how good Tom Brady really is. And something that I had pointed out before was I felt like he had not been, he wasn't as fast coming out of the hell, I mean, in terms of coming off the snap. He wasn't, his arm wasn't as what it was before, but he's still doing it. And actually, to me, it seems like he's playing better now this year than he did last year. What is your analysis of where he is now in his career and 
how he's on the field right now. Yeah, it was it was a really difficult conversation to have, you know, as, as an analyst last year, going through all the games and trying to sort of uh, critique where where Tom didn't play well, but it wasn't a physical attribute change that that was causing it. And that's a tough thing to say because you know, if at this stage of life, a year ago, it's in his forty second year on the planet, you're you're sort of going through games and saying, oh, you know, there's a reading missed or oh, there's a throwing missed, and you know, there's not some sort of okay, he's lost velocity or oh, he's not climbing the ladder as well or oh, he's not able to get out of trouble. It's like mm, he had a bad game, and 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 the very I think difficult thing to sort of uh, translate for people or even convince them, I guess, is that bad games at that age don't necessarily uh, reasonably you might expect that they are, but they don't necessarily mean some sort of degeneration of skills or something, and that's that's tough to do with Tom because you know you could he, there were I don't know I don't recall the exact number, but you know more than three maybe five something like that games were. He didn't play great, and you know the conversation goes to who he's throwing to, or the conversation goes to that you know he somehow changed as a player. And I'm like, yeah, I saw him make that throw last week, you know, or or you know the, just little things like that, where it's like, oh, he's he's screwing up in this particular instance. But I wouldn't presume that that's now gone into the ether forever. Um, and I think that's what's been a little bit redemptive for him this year. There were not, you know, there were situations he didn't handle great last year. But I didn't think that was sort of the end of him. I thought you go back, you refresh, and he hasn't lost. Velocity. He's still able to sort of get get down the, the pocket really quickly, which is still one of the weirdest attributes of any quarterback or any player in this league, really. Someone who has as limited athleticism generally overall as Tommy has still moves better in the pocket than just about anyone out there. He's just mastered those few quick strides, either laterally or forward. He just is pretty adept at avoiding problems. and. Uh, the best thing I can sort of relate it to uh, is, you know, at the tail end of my career, I was there in New York with, with Brett Favre, and Brett Brett had just arrived, and, you know, I had a super, you know, through-the-roof kind of opinion of, of Brett Favre, and his mobility was a big part of who he was, and that, you know, Cannon Army has and everything, but you could tell Brett at the end had a little trouble getting away from trouble, and it's like, okay, you know, I can see how that's like a, a legitimate chip away from what he was able to do and that's going to stress other parts of his game and then it's going to kind of go that direction until it's over that's normal it's how it happens to like to like all players but I, tom's obsession with the way he prepares and as analytical as he is relative to mechanics and his you know all the little work that he does with tb12 i i i found it fascinating that he really honed in on that sort of pocket mobility the pocket movement skills is something that could really, really extend uh, a career, and that even with sort of not high end athleticism, you could be a master at it. And we see guys with obviously much better, you know, lateral quickness and all those kinds of things from just raw ability, more so than Tom, that don't move as well as he does in the pocket, don't avoid trouble as well, uh, will walk into trouble sometimes. Uh, so I think that's been one of the coolest things watching how at 43 now, I'm 43, our, our birthdays are just a couple months apart. And I can barely jog, <laughs> and this guy still moves as as good or better, at least for the parts that matter for his job within that pocket, as as well as anyone out there. I just I, that has been fascinating. He really honed in on the parts that matter. I mean, geez, I'm 42, and I'm hearing from you know my doctor. I got arthritis in my knee. I'm like, dude, I didn't even play football. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's out there, 43 years right. old. And I guess what I'm thinking of in terms of Tom also. I mean, there's all kinds of gossip out there about the way his relationship ended with Bill Belichick. But sometimes new environments are 
reinvigorating. And he's got a lot more weapons than he would have had in New England this year. I mean, just the weapons that Tampa Bay's put around him are outstanding. How do you see? How do you, how do you feel he's fitting in there in Tampa Bay? And how do you, do you think he can take this team in the playoffs? Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing for Tommy, he said it and and reiterated it many times that it was time, and and in some way, shape, or form, it wasn't a knock on Bill, it wasn't a knock on the place, it was it was just time, and I think it's something that all players experience at some point, most players anyhow. But I mean, I felt that way going into year seven. You know, six years in New England's crazy; it's intense. You know, three three Super Bowls in four years, like. That sounds great. It is great, but you feel like you're you're clocking, you know, one and a half years for everyone else's one kind of thing. It's very intense. And for Tommy to put twenty of those Patriot years together, mm-hmm. I mean, again, I think he should get credit for twenty seven or twenty eight years of regular NFL years. And, and I, it's the, the 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 idea that he moved on to me was not National Enquirer story relationship related. It's just like really normal in life. Like you just get a little tired, you know, and it's like. It's very invigorating to go just be a new place, be around some new people. The mundane sort of repetitiveness of, of one building can, you know, can, I think, wear people down, and especially, especially with his, you know, his mentality that he's still had a lot more left. And if you, you, I, I, I can imagine the feeling of being down there now in Florida and kind of feeling like, okay, this is, you know, I'm, I'm limber, I feel good, I'm physically back, maybe even a spot above where I was with things I was dealing with a year ago. And uh, I, I do have a new sort of fresh look around me as far as weapons, but I think it's actually kind of odd to look down and see this guy's yards per attempt is no better down there with those guys than than it was in, well, I'm not counting last year. Last year was a down year, but the three or four years prior to that, his yards per attempt were higher than with, with the, the guys he's worked with in New England. So it, it's not as if Tom's going to play at a general level one way or the other uh, in most instances. So, yeah, those guys are individually better, I, I guess, technically on, on – for most of them, but you know, you can go back to prior years, and if a guy's open, Tom's hitting him. Uh, it doesn't matter if that guy, whom, whoever that guy is, there's going to be a coverage. There's going to be a weakness of the coverage. There's going to be a place that you should likely go with it, and Tom's going to hit that guy. And uh, I think that's something we're now seeing in Tampa as he's getting comfortable. There were some up and down weeks there where it, part of it's just you know filtering out the parts of of whatever it is Arians want to do that may not be working for them. You no. Know? throwing, you know, quick out routes from far hashes where they're sitting on the route from across the field. I mean, that's just not a smart route. James had trouble with it. Tommy had trouble with it. Threw some bad balls off it. But you go and you say, hey, we got to snip that. We cannot do things that put us in a bad position. And that's really what Tom's always been fast. Let's never put ourselves in a bad position uh, and try to cut down a negative place. And he's really settling in now. But I think the cool part is, yeah, yes, he does have Mike Evans. Yes, he does have Chris Godwin. But you know, he'll spread it to the Miller guy. He'll spread it to the other young players. He'll still send it to the backs, to, to, to Ronald Jones or Fournette. He'll 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 send it to Cameron Braid as often as he maybe will Gronk. And it kind of doesn't matter who you are, what your name is. I think a lot of that extra talent, maybe it will come in play with what they do with the ball in their hands once they get it. But as far as Tommy locating you, he's not dealing with necessarily more separation or anything like that. I mean, I think watching Mike Evans route, he's exceptional at the catch point. But he's not putting more space between himself and the guy that's defending him than than, than guys Tom's dealt with in the past. So for his role, just got to get there. And, and Tom's the best there is at that, you know, over the course of this league's history. So I just think uh, it's fun to watch him go out and operate, and it's cool to see that a guy at that age can continue to do it. So how do you see this matchup on 
on Monday night? Well, I think it's kind of cool that 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 he's he's got this team to to a, a point where they've had they've had some really really bad stinkers. You know, the game mm-hmm. from two weeks ago made a lot of people go, "Oh, okay, maybe they suck again." You know, that kind of thing. And uh, that's the kind of stuff that they use as fuel there. Uh, I'm not saying there. I'm saying more and with Tom. It was like an old New England kind of deal. That like you're actually sometimes over the course of 16 serve pretty well by having some setbacks so that guys don't relax. And if I'm the Rams right then, you know, in preparation for for Tampa, you have to kind of presume that you know you, you're expecting their best. But that's a team as good as Tampa's overall been. They can put a stinker out there. I mean, we've seen sort of night and day moments from that particular group. So I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I haven't watched them so closely as enough to make a prediction against them in the Rams. I would just simply say Camp has a really, really high ceiling, but they got a really low floor too. And that's that would make me hopeful that you know you you try to compel the worst out of them. Um, but you know, it's it's Tom, so it's get him off the spot. That's always the that's always everyone's concerned and you got Aaron Donald, there's no greater guy out there to try to get a quarterback off the spot. Uh, but I, I'd be interested to see, you know, we talk about all the, you know, all the things with Tommy and it always comes back to throwing, obviously, but the running game being where it was uh, a week ago was, was enlightening. And, and I think takes pressure off everything. And that's the way it's been in the offenses Tom's been in the last three or four years anyhow. So if, if I'm the Rams, I know this is a weird thing to say, but, Especially with Tom not having one particular guy, Antonio Brown's in that group now. So they, you know, they, there's there's three or four, five plausible different places he's going with the ball that could be his high target guy on a, in, in a given week. I would still go back to the idea that you're not going to want to get let Ronald Jones or Fournette or whatever get going. You don't want them to have a 150 plus day on the mm-hmm. ground. Uh, you need to blunt that first. And in the event that they do, and you push Tom into a throw it 40 times game, you know, no, no quarterback needs to be in that world. So. Um, toss up for me because I haven't evaluated teams that much, but I just don't think that the formula with Tom is that much different down there than it's really been anywhere else. All right. Well, thanks so much. We always enjoy hearing your breakdown, especially when it comes to, you know, the legend of the game, Tom Brady. But also, man, I wish we had more time because as a football fan, I'm fascinated with, with what's happening up in New England this year. Another day, like yeah, when the Rams play the, play, play the Patriots here in a couple weeks, but I want to talk that one through with you. That's for sure. <laughs> That's for sure. That's good. All right, Matt. Thanks so much for coming on, and we'll, we'll talk again soon. Thank you. My pleasure. Always fun talking to Matt. Never fails. He's always talking something about the about, about Tom Brady. So when it comes down to the legend Tom Brady and Tampa Bay, the impression I get from both guys one, Matt was apprehensive to break down the game because he's not recovering them right now. But the respect for Tom Brady is still there. And the fact that he seems to believe that Tom Brady is just as good now as he has been the last couple of years talks more about the professionalism and d- devotion to his craft that Tom Brady brings to the table. Getting out there and playing for somebody else has obviously been good for him. But Trevor really brings to the table another side of this. And that is, this is a very good Bucks roster that's just inconsistent. We don't know what they have. We don't know where they're going to be this year. We don't know where they're going to be to, on Monday night. We don't know where they're going to be two weeks from now. But we do know they have talent. They have a lot of talent. And they are able to beat you in many ways. 
And that's why in this game, I think the Rams might be in trouble. It's not that the Rams don't have the talent to match up with them. It's not that the Rams... It's not that they can't beat them. I think this is probably about time the Rams finally beat Tom Brady. But I don't like a matchup. And that's why I think the Bucs win this game. It'll be close. I know Steve and Johnny also called this game to be a Bucks close win. And, and, and we don't want to see that, right? We don't want to see that. We don't want to see that at all. We want to see a Rams win. I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer here. I'm not. And I hope to gosh I'm wrong. I like being wrong when it goes for us. But here's the concern for me. It's that Bucks pass rush. on the le- Against that left-hand side of the line where Andrew Ward is down. On, on a Monday night game with all the humidity because of Florida. Last time Rams went to Florida did not end well for them. This is a Tampa Bay team that, that loves making big plays, offense or defense. They have a running game that seems to be on its, on its uh, peak right now. It's at its peak. It's finally finding its place. And that makes Tom Brady very dangerous here. That makes the Bucks very dangerous. Again, like Trevor said, they lay eggs, but so do the Rams. So I don't know which Rams team is going to show up. Is this going to be the Rams team that's ready? Is this going to be a team that's ready to go out there and kind of lay it to Tampa Bay and take control of the NFC West? Or are this is this the young Rams team that is still going to lay an egg? Right now on the road, I think the odds are pretty good that it'll be a great game and the Rams won't quite have an answer for that defensive line. But on the flip side, I won't be surprised if I'm wrong. I just don't know anymore. I don't know what to expect from this team. One team, one, we did look great, one week they don't. But that's expected. That is expected when your team suddenly got young. And we keep forgetting that. All the expectations are on the Rams, but they are the second youngest team in the NFL right now. And that changes everything. That changes the expectations that come with a veteran team with the experience and the poise versus a young team that has room to grow. And that's what the Rams are. It does not mean they won't win this game. It doesn't mean they're, they're not going to playoffs. Obviously, I think they're going to playoffs at this point. They have put themselves in great position to do so as long as they just win a, win a few more games here. The Rams are in great position. So, you know, I'm just saying that the matchup isn't quite a good one for the Rams. It's not favorable to them. They have an experienced quarterback. They have an off, they're facing an offensive line that will do just enough. They have a team that's they're going against that's loaded offensively, and they have a front seven they're facing on defense that can headhunt your quarterback. Now, let's flip this around. What this also means that the Rams can pull this out. It tells me they are legitimately a threat in the NFC. I'm serious. You're going to beat Tom Brady on Monday Night Football. I know the the Saints did a couple weeks ago, but for a Rams team that we haven't really seen everything we want to see it out of them, this is big. This is big. This is a very, very talented Tampa Bay team. We were saying that last year. We didn't think they had put it together. And then Tampa Bay went out there and just, well, we saw what happened. 55-41 win. Okay, I think that the Rams have a great shot winning this game. 
if they show up all the way through and play all facets of the game well. But we haven't seen that yet from them this year. If it's not the defense showing up, which they almost always do, the offense might sputter. If the offense does fine, the defense is fine, the special teams unit sputters. So we have yet to see a complete game from the Rams. And that's what concerns me. On the road, Monday Night Football, after an already interesting national uh, national televised game last, last week. Ah, oh, man. I, I, I just... I am very, very... I'm very concerned about this game. But, you know, we don't know where it goes. So there's prediction. I have the Rams losing this one 24-16 tight game. It's going to be... It's going to be fun. It'll be interesting. And I just see it coming a little bit short. It does not mean that they won't make the playoffs. It doesn't mean that they're going to start all the way down anything like that. I just think this is a good Tampa Bay team. And they're primed as well as the Rams are. Both teams are trying to make their mark. And both teams have a lot to prove. And in this case, the edge goes with experience. And that's what Tom Brady and what he brings to the table. So there you go. Hope I'm wrong. I'll be thrilled if I'm wrong. I will be jumping up and down if I'm wrong. Okay, this is not one of those things where I I can't stand to be I can't stand to be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But there's there's a couple of factors that have me concerned. All right, so we'll see on Monday night with the Bunny Heads team. They'll be here to break down the Rams Buccaneers. I'll be in with Mike soon after that give our views and break it down and then we'll get ready for next week. So until then, we're out of here. Have a great one. Let's make vision zero a reality in DC. Almost half of DC's traffic fatalities come from impaired driving. These deaths are 100% preventable. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. Never drive impaired. DC police are arresting drunk and drugged drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.